Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, a clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice in which we learn about updates in laboratory testing during the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, hello, Bill. Great to have you back again. Uh, hi, Bobby. It's good to be back, as always. <laughs> Time for our weekly chat, which I always look forward to. Me too. Hopefully people listen to it. Well, I guess the people that do listen to it hopefully do as well. So yeah, we got some great feedback. And, you know, as you know, the last couple of times we've chatted, it's been on topics that our listeners wanted to hear. This week, I thought we would talk about the fact that it is Women's History Month. And we have a great history of women and female leaders at Mayo Clinic. And I know you've done work in this area before and have done some research. And I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about female leadership at Mayo clinic. Sure. You know, actually, I got interested really through Sister Tierney, who is a Franciscan sister here in Rochester. Uh, I went on the pilgrimage with her. And then afterwards, we talked a lot. And during that pilgrimage, we talked a lot about the role of women at Mayo Clinic. Of course, my wife was a nurse accompanying me on that pilgrimage as well and did her nurse education here in Rochester, a lot of it anyways, or got her master's here. So there is a very strong history of women at Mayo Clinic in leadership roles that a lot of people don't realize. And it goes all the way back to our founding. So one of the key pivotal moments in the history of Mayo Clinic was the foundation and building of St. Mary's Hospital. That was built actually by the Franciscan sisters here in town. Sister Alfred, who was the mother superior, I guess, at the convent here in Rochester at the time, the Franciscan nun convent, had asked Dr. Mayo, William Worrell Mayo, to build a hospital he said it was too expensive. So she said, well, if we can fund it and build it, will you staff it? That was a handshake agreement. And I can't remember the exact number, but they basically through teaching crafts, tutoring and other things, they actually raised the money themselves to build the hospital and the Mayo brothers staffed it. So it was really the woman that founded St. Mary's Hospital, the woman of the St. Francis Convent here in town. And then they were the hospital administrators for many years. They staffed it as nurses. Uh, Alice Graham went to, I believe, Chicago, but left town to get a nursing education. She came back and started to teach the nuns nursing. One of the women nurses here at the turn of the century helped found anesthesia at Mayo Clinic and was known for their anesthesia method and technique of being safe. Uh, they published on it. And then two other really critical women in the early days of Mayo Clinic were Dr. Gertrude Booker Granger, who was actually the second physician hired at Mayo outside of the Mayo family. So very early in our days. And then Maud Mellish was hired very early on around the turn of the century or shortly thereafter to start the Mayo Clinic Library. And she became one of the most prominent medical library professionals in the country. So lots and lots of women contributing to Mayo Clinic history and founding. Not so obvious and sometimes not as, as uh, celebrated in our history as it should be, but really, really important part of the founding of Mayo Clinic. I love those stories, Belle. They're just so inspiring. And you look back to just the founding with Mayo Clinic and St. Mary's Hospital. That's, you know, one of our primary hospitals at Mayo Clinic, such an integral part. And of course, the Mayo brothers were surgeons and the nurses were right there with them, co-developing uh, means of anesthesia. And it was just really, really an incredible history. 
Yes, it really is. And it goes back to William Worrell Mayo was, I, I don't know if he was atheist, but he was not of a particular religious bent, but he had a lot of Quaker roots, I think, coming in, which, of course, was one of the more forward-looking religions in terms of, I think, women's rights around that time. But still, you have to have a great deal of respect for those women, knowing that it was very much a male-dominated society and profession and the strength that it took for them as leaders and really carried through. I had the opportunity to meet Sister General before she passed, who was still a great presence at the Mayo Clinic Hospital, St. Mary's campus here. But, you know, I, I just wonder who they had as role models mm -hmm. and how they found the strength to actually forge that path to be real trailblazers. And then, of course, I'm privileged to join by, be joined by you every week as a, <laughs> as a woman physician scientist leader in medicine at Mayo Clinic. And I bet the audience would be curious how you got started on your career in, in medicine and who were yeah. your role models? Oh, well, role models are so important, Belle, and uh, I would actually count you among one of my role models more recently. But you're right, of course, looking back when I was first looking into medicine, I had a whole number of different role models who inspired me. My biology teacher, Dr. Smith, who she was a great teacher, female educator at the undergraduate le level, and she was just so passionate about biology that it inspired me. And at the time, I wasn't sure what to do. I was looking into medical school as an option and applied and ended up going because I realized that uh, the work I had done in biology with some of the dissections and looking in the microscope was something I could do in medical school as a pathologist. I actually asked around, I said, this is really fun, you know, the dissections and the frogs and all that. And I said, what can I do with this and someone said, well, you could be a pathologist. And I just loved that idea of taking biology and helping people with it. So I went to medical school to be a pathologist and that was reinforced very early on when I was a first year medical student, Dr. Sharon Mount, another mentor, role model of mine, came and gave a talk to all of us as first year medical students about her role to becoming a pathologist. And it was so inspiring. I already knew I wanted to be a pathologist, but she just like reinforced that concept. And I think she converted about a third of the class, at least at that point, to want to be pathologists as well. And I think that really emphasizes to me how our role now as pathologists is so important for the medical students when we want to talk about the importance that pathology and laboratory medicine plays. But I've had a number of really excellent female mentors and role models along the way. My former chair, Dr. Robin Patel, is another really outstanding female mentor and role model. She's just so highly accomplished. And I aspire to do great things like she's done. Well, you're already starting to hit that mark if you haven't hit it already. So, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned something that's really important, I think, and that is that there were women role models for you to, uh, to yeah. serve as guideposts. And I think we can't underemphasize the fact that women need to be visible in their leadership role because if people don't see it, then they don't know that it can be real for them. I don't know if that resonates with you or not. Well, absolutely. And I think for me, just seeing these really strong women, very accomplished women all around me, it didn't really cross my mind that I couldn't do things. My mom would probably be my very first role model. She always gave me the impression that I could do whatever I wanted. And that's really important to just have that message out there, even if it's not verbalized, just having people showing you that this is possible for you. 
And if you don't have those role models, I think that there would be young people who would just think, oh, well, that's something that men do, for example. Yeah, and of course, being at Mayo Clinic, there's such a strong emphasis on diversity and inclusion and equity. And something that may not be known uh, is that, you know, we're all salaried here at Mayo Clinic. And that means that men and women make the same amount. And that's a huge benefit. You know, you go to other places in academic medicine and women still don't make as much as men do, but that's not true at Mayo Clinic. Um, now, obviously, there's a lot of things that we could still do to improve, and we're continuing those efforts. But I would say at Mayo Clinic, I've always felt like I have an equal role to play and that there are unlimited opportunities for me. I just have to go and pursue them. Uh, that's great to hear. I, I do wonder for people listening, have there been any times in your career you felt any kind of roadblock because you were a woman in medicine or not really? I would say not really, Belle. And I think that probably just goes back to all the role models that I've had. I've just always had that feeling that I could do it. You know, maybe it was just I was in the right time with the recognition and the opportunities now. But I know that there's still a lot of women who haven't felt that way. I guess that's also part of just my outlook, but I've been very fortunate. I haven't had major doors closed on me. Now, it's not to say there haven't been bumps along the road. I actually uh, took two years off in medical school trying to figure out if I really wanted to be in medical school and ended up doing a lot of soul searching and talking to various people and eventually decided that, yes, I did want to be in medical school and I do want to be a pathologist. And, uh, and even if my career is untraditional, which I would say it kind of is because I study parasites for a living, right? That being a physician was still something I really wanted to pursue. So there are definitely bumpy times, but I never felt a door was shut in my face or that opportunities weren't available to me as a woman. Yeah. And I think it is important for you. I mean, everyone's a little different. You're certainly someone that has a lot of gumption, as we would say. <laughs> I mean, you really have a stick-to-itiveness and such a positivity. But I think it's important. Not every, every People are different, right? And mm -hmm. so I think it's a really great that you're so visible in social media and the work that you're doing, because you can impart that to other people, because not everyone is blessed with that kind of personal force that you have. But I think you really do a great job of sharing that. I do think, though, there are things that we need to work on as leaders to make sure that we open doors and that, that yes. it is a level playing field. And I, I know there's some work that we've done here and even in the department during your time as the vice chair of education before you became the division chair for clinical microbiology. And we did notice that, I think, right amongst women's staff, maybe some differences in their academic rank. Well, really, the major difference was there were less women at the highest rank at professor and also fewer women in leadership positions. And that's even within our department of laboratory medicine and pathology. And I'm one of just two women that are division chairs in our department. So while I think we do well at the entry level, we hire just as many women and men, maybe more women these days, we need to foster and mentor them and get the women up to those higher levels of leadership. Yeah, Some no, of it is just traditional, you know, we had more men at the higher levels, but we need to continue that mentorship to get people to the higher levels. Becoming a professor is not an easy path and you have to do a lot of different things and you really need your role models to be meeting with you and, and asking what your goals are. And if your goal is to get up to the level of professor, really helping them get to that level then. Yeah, and I think that that's probably a great way to sort of capstone the conversation is to say that it's really important for a place like Mayo Clinic, really any place to respect the dignity of all the people working there, right? And that means everyone has to feel like they have an opportunity based on their skill, 
based on their aptitude and that they won't be denied opportunities based on anything other than that, right? And so, but it takes a real intentionality to say, we need to cultivate people. Again, going back to that point, if people don't see it, sometimes they don't know that it can be real. So mm-hmm. not seeing women in leadership might make people think, but well, maybe that's not a possibility for me. So creating that space, I think back to uh, probably all of us can remember a time in our careers when someone recognized something in us that maybe we didn't recognize in ourselves in terms of the ability to lead or the ability to accomplish something and how important it is to share that with people, particularly if you're trying to grow a pipeline of, of leaders that is more diverse than the current pool. And I say that, of course, as someone that leads the department in, in Mayo Clinic Labs. For all of us, make sure you pursue your dreams. Don't let anyone get in your way. And for those of us who have the opportunities to grade the road, we have to make sure that we're always keeping an eye on building that pipeline for the future because it's a fair thing for people and it's the best thing for organizations. There's just a lot of very good data that shows that having women in leadership roles, having diversity in leadership roles actually really helps the resiliency and this good decisions by any organization. So women have been an important contributor to Mayo Clinic. They're an even more important part of our future and you're a big part of that, Bobby. So thank you for your work. Uh, thank you for inspiring others to the work that you do. And, uh, and I leave you with the last word. Well, I think my last word will just be thank you for your leadership, Bill. And uh, you and I will work on this. We can work on this together. And I'll look forward to doing that in the future. Yep. And I look forward to seeing the results. So (laughs) Sounds great. All right. Take care. Talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.